missionaries, but we did get lost on our way from Tulsa to Stillwater. So <laughs> we're almost qualified. Anyways, I want to share with you a message. I did a series of messages on prayer. And as I did, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when you start to work through a series of messages, sometimes God will show you things that weren't really that clear and actually changed the way I prayed. And so the question I have is, why do we pray? Why do we pray? I had an interesting experience. I'm going to talk quick because of the time. That's why I make my messages shorter. I just turn up the, uh, the speed. But anyways, um, <laughs> I'm not joking. So uh, in 1994, Brother Robert Ewing invited me to go on a mission trip to Romania. And about a month before, we were, I was in Robert Ewing's home, and there was a number of us who were going on that trip, and we're all praying together. And we're all on our knees just seeking God. And I began to pray. Said, oh, God, please save the people. Oh, God, please save. And I'm, I'm going and you know, doing a great job. So anyways, after we finished praying, this one prophetic brother, Harold, I don't know if you know Harold Fox, real tall Texan. He says, Howard, uh, the way you prayed really tickles me. <laughs> well, I thought if he used the word inspired, I'd feel a lot better. <laughs> or moved, but tickled. And I felt a little bit intimidated. I go, well, what do you mean by tickled? So well, he says, there you are pleading with God to save souls. He goes, that's as foolish as pleading with me to eat ice cream. And I got told by his girth that he enjoyed ice cream. He says, God wants to save people more than you can imagine. He wants to save people more than you want to save people. And so when I was listening to that, I was really tickled. So I said, God, why does Howard pray that way? And he said, the Lord told him he doesn't know any better. Now that I've totally made a fool of myself, the, the question is this. How we answer how we, why we pray will determine how we pray. Do you understand that? If you have the wrong reason of why we're praying, you will be praying in a wrong way. Some people pray because they think God doesn't know their needs or because he's forgotten. You know those type of people? They go, oh, Lord, I pray for a Mrs. Smith who lives across the street from me, the one with the three children, uh, that her husband works in Walmart, and she goes on and on. You ever heard that type of prayer? You know? And, and it's like they're going on and on. They're trying to really tell God what's going on. And, you know, it's not only painful for, for the person who's praying that way, but it's painful for those who have to listen. Right? It's like we're trying to inform God, like he really doesn't know. No, not the lady across the street there, the one beside her. <laughs> And so we be, the prayer becomes repetitious and tiring, right? So that's not the way we want to pray. Some people pray because they think that they need to overcome God's reluctance to bless. And, and Jacob had that concept. He said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And his concept was God didn't want to bless him. And so people who pray thinking that God doesn't want to bless and need to overcome God's reluctance, they turn it into a battle, not with God, working with God, but a battle against God, trying to convince Him, trying to force Him to bless. And so then prayer, instead of being a place of comfort and joy and, and co-laboring with God, it's almost like we're on the offensive. Some people pray because they think we need the end, we need to win God's favor. And it's almost like the Catholic thing of Hail Marys. You say so many Hail Marys. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. In other words, God already knows your needs. He already wants to meet your needs, so then why do we pray? You ever heard the expression, be careful what you pray for? That is, I believe, totally unbiblical. Because it makes God into a vending machine. Make sure you press the right button. Make sure you put the right quarter in. Make sure... No, no. Prayer is relationship. And when we have that concept that's wrong, prayer becomes superstition. Oh, somebody's praying the wrong way. Be careful. Why do we pray? One important element of prayer is to come in agreement with the will of God. One important element of prayer is to come into agreement with the will of God. 
The very first time we see the importance of agreement is in Genesis chapter 3. In this story, we can see the spiritual battle that takes place for the power of agreement. What did Satan try to do? Satan came and tried to get Adam and Eve, specifically Eve initially, to agree with him. Isn't that right? And so we see that Satan wanted Eve to agree with him and come out of agreement with God. We can see in Genesis 3 the relationship between doctrinal faith and agreement. In other words, for the enemy to win Eve over, he had to distort her doctrine, distort what she believed about God and God's word. And once she did, then she came out of agreement with God and came into agreement with Satan. Why is that important? Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God has given dominion over the earth to man. Do you understand that principle? He has given dominion over the earth to man. And so what happens is, God has given us authority. And who we agree with then exercise that authority. We don't have authority to do whatever we want. We have authority about who we're going to agree with. Why did Christ come in the flesh? Why did Christ come as a man? Well, there are many, many reasons he came as a man. But one of the reasons was God needed one man to come into full agreement with him so his plan of salvation could be manifest in the earth. Do you realize that? He needed a man who would come into full agreement with him. So he sent his son Jesus. So God came as a man to exercise the authority that he gave man. And what did Jesus do? He was in full agreement with the will of the Father. It was the first time in the history of mankind that there was a man who was in full agreement with God. Jesus Christ came in the flesh as a man so he could be in full agreement with the Father. Because Jesus Christ came as a man, he was able to fulfill God's will on the earth as it is in heaven. How did Jesus pray? Not my will, but your will. He was in full agreement with God, the Father. One man's agreement, Jesus, produced salvation for all mankind. Imagine what will happen as we commit our lives to be more in agreement with God's will. Imagine what will happen as more of the body of Christ comes into line with God's will. You know, in Muslim countries, and I have friends that are missionaries and, and people who are actually Muslims who become Christians, more and more Muslims who have never heard the gospel preached have had visions and dreams of Jesus and received him. Why is that happening now? Why is it happening more and more and more? I believe the reason is more and more believers are praying for Muslims. I believe that's why. And as we're praying here, we're seeing God's will manifest there. Confession. The Greek word is homiligio, and it means to say the same thing as another. The concept of confession means that we come into agreement with what God says. I like what one of the uh, 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 dictionaries of the Greek says this, or this concept is, when we make a confession, it binds us to our word. When we make a confession, it binds us to our word, agreement. Something spiritual is released when we make a confession. A confession isn't just words being spoken. A confession is something that happens with our heart and with our mouth. Romans 10, right? If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that's agreement. That Jesus is raised from the dead, agreement with God, it produces salvation. If we agree with God that we're sinners, we agree that Jesus came as a man, he died, he shed his blood on the cross, and the third day he rose again from the dead, and we want to receive him as our Savior and receive forgiveness. That act of agreement produces the new birth. Do you realize that? That act of agreement releases the power of God in your life that you're born again. 
Am I too loud with this mic? <laughs> okay, okay. I just, <clears throat> I don't want people to sue the church for ear damage later. So, <clears throat> 1 John 5.14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we, we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When our confession lines up with God's confession, then we see God's will released in our lives. So we don't pray what we like. We seek God. He puts it upon our hearts. And then as we pray according to his will, that act of agreement releases God's power. When we pray according to God's will, our prayers will be like well-placed arrows hitting their intended target, and bringing forth eternal results. Do you realize that? When we pray, we first of all want to pray to seek the will of God. And once we have the will of God, we then pray out the will of God in agreement with His will. If we do not come into agreement with God's, with God's will, then we will not see God's will done in our lives. See, God isn't like a vending machine And if we just say it, he just does it. If it's contrary to his will and contrary to his nature, he will not do it. But when we know his will and we begin to pray in that order, it's like arrows hitting its mark. If we do not come into agreement with God's will, then we're not going to see his will done in our lives. Matthew 6.10 says this. Your kingdom come and you will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, they said, how should we pray? And he said, pray this way. Now, some people think that's a theological statement. No, it's a way we pray. What is he saying? He's looking for us to pray and say, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we come into agreement with him, we're exercising our authority so we see God's will manifest more and more. I literally pray that many times during the day, your will be done. Your kingdom be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as I pray it out, I'm saying, God, I'm going to stay in agreement with the will of God. Because it's God's will. But he's saying, will the people of God exercise the dominion and authority he's given us as men, as women, and agree with God's will? God cannot and will not change us unless we come into agreement with him. We have dominion. He cannot and he will not change us unless we come into agreement with him. Jesus Christ's message and the message throughout the Bible and the message of the gospel is repent and believe, right? That's the message. Repent and believe. Repent. Stop agreeing with the sin nature in the lives of Satan. Believe. Come into agreement with God and his word. Right? It's all about agreement. You know, when you're ministering to somebody, even they're a believer, but they're backslidden or have issues... Repent is you've got to stop agreeing with what's sin. You have to stop agreeing with that. And then you need to come into agreement with God. Believe is to come into agreement with God's word. The biblical concept of faith is really the concept of agreement. The concept for faith in both the Old and the New Testament conveys the idea of trust Confidence, believing. And faith has the nuance of obedience. An agreement, of course, has the concept of trust, confidence, and believing and acting upon it. Agreement is really faith in action. Agreement is really faith in action. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, it says this. Again, I say to you, if two or three agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst, in the midst of them. What is it speaking about? It's speaking about agreement. It's saying he wants the body of Christ to come into unity. And as we come into unity together, the power of unity and agreement is there. It's interesting, the verse just before that gives us an interesting insight into agreement. 
But for us to understand that verse, we need to pay special attention to the verb tense. The verse before that says, Truly I say unto you, whoever, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Well, if you take that that way, that means we rule heaven, right? Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. But that's not correct. Because imagine a lot of things we're binding and loosing that are totally weird. We would make heaven really weird. Heaven said, oh, no, not another binding and loosing guy. But that's not the way it is. We don't rule heaven. Heaven rules earth. Actually, the, if you translate it, I like the New American Standard. It translates the verb tense as it is in the Greek. Truly, I say to you, whatsoever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. In other words, it's not that earth controls heaven. It's heaven is controlling earth. And if we bind something that has already been bound in heaven, it will take place. And if we loose something on earth that's already been loosed in heaven, it'll take place. What is it? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we need to know what God has already bound and loose and then declare it, agree with him in prayer, and then it will be manifest on the earth hallelujah i'm not going to do aerobic exercise today for sure first corinthians 14 4 he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church a lot of people say, why be speaking tongues? You get people who are not charismatic. Or even sometimes Christians who are baptized in the Holy Spirit think, well, why speak in tongues? But from this point of view of agreement, speaking in tongues is our willingness to yield to the Spirit of God and come into agreement with whatever He says, even if we do not understand it. So you go, why do we speak in tongues? You don't understand it. Because as we start to speak in tongues, we are saying, God, I am going to be so much in agreement with you that I'm going to allow you to speak through me to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what speaking in tongues is. It's releasing the power of God by saying, I am exercising my will to obey God, and I am going to give him the right to speak his words through me so I can see his will done, even when I don't understand what his will is. That's why I like to speak in tongues as much as I can, because there's not a lot of things I know. And so, but when I'm praying in the spirit, then I am coming into agreement with God. And then as I'm coming to agreement with God, sometimes God will set in my heart what to pray about. And I'll begin to pray in English and I'll begin to confess and agree with God and to pray with God and co-labor with God in prayer. So why do we pray for people if God cannot change someone unless they are in agreement with him? I mean, we say, well, God won't change that person unless that person agrees. So why are we praying for them? As we pray for a person, God is working in their hearts and in the circumstances of their lives so that they will choose to come into agreement with God. Many, many years ago, I was there was a man who was not a believer. and I was sharing the gospel with him. He was a tough guy. And uh and, and, but he didn't really see a need for God. But I kept praying for him. And I kept praying, said, God, do whatever you need to do in that man's life until he receives you. And over a period of a couple of years, his life started getting really difficult. Really difficult. And he started being more open. And every time I'd see him, I said, Ivan, I am praying for you. He goes, life is so tough now. Things are getting more difficult. And I said, I'm praying for you. And he'd say, I really appreciate that. And every time I get home, God, do whatever you have to do to break that man till he surrenders to Christ. And I'd see him and other time things are getting worse. He'd say, don't worry, I'm praying for you because I appreciate that. <laughs> he came to the Lord. It was a bit hard for him. But he came, for, came to the Lord because I was praying. He said, God, do whatever you need to do to bring him to salvation. Sometimes we pray for people and they respond quickly. Sometimes we pray for people and they may respond only after many years. Sometimes people may choose never to respond. But we've done our part to pray. George Mueller, a great man of faith, he had one friend who was not a believer and he prayed for him for 60 years. And when, he, when George died, George Mueller died, 
He never saw him come to faith. But at George Mueller's funeral, he received Christ. One time when I was in university, I was a new Christian. I don't know if I shared this or not. I was a, 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 a very new believer, maybe about three months in the Lord. <clears throat> and uh, I, I, was, you know, I, I was involved in what I called uncontrolled evangelism. It's like you speak to everybody about Jesus no matter what. If it looks like they're half alive, you speak to them. If it's, you know what I mean, like I was just going around and uh, a lot of zeal, maybe not a lot of wisdom sometimes. Um, it was sort of like uh, using a shotgun approach to evangelism, but it kind of just going everywhere. And some people were getting saved, and this one guy really started to hate me. He was a classmate, fellow classmate in the university. <clears throat> and one, I didn't find out until later why he hated me, but his best friend came to Christ through, through what we were doing. Anyways, he got really obnoxious, like really obnoxious. He would mock me in front of the rest of the students. He would curse at me. He would. I remember one time the professor hadn't come yet, and we had about 300 students and were in the lecture hall waiting for the professor. And this guy stands up in front of all the other students, looks at me, and says, let's worship our calculators just to mock me. So my response to all that is I hated him. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. And, and, and the thing that brought me the most comfort was knowing that one day he would go to hell and find out that he was wrong, <laughs> that I was right. I'm, I'm not joking. <clears throat> this is another embarrassing moment of my life. But, <laughs> but I was a young believer. I didn't know better. So I hated him. And I was thinking, wait, I can't wait till he dies and finds out that he was wrong and I was right. So anyways, um, one night I was praying, and, and also the thought came to me, I should pray for Dave. And I did not want to pray for Dave. I wanted him to die and go to hell. That's what I wanted to do. But also I thought, well, I'm supposed to pray for Dave, you know. <clears throat> and so I literally grit my teeth and go, Lord, save Dave. That's what I did. I mean, I was just a believer three months in the Lord, so you've got to excuse me, okay? I'm just telling you the truth. So <clears throat> I was obedient as much as I could be, but I grit my teeth because the flesh didn't want to go there. Um, the second night when I was praying, I remembered, oh, i got to pray for Dave. So I prayed this time, and this time I didn't have to grip my teeth quite as hard. The third night, the fourth night, by about the sixth or seventh night, I was praying for him, and I felt even a little bit of joy when I prayed. Oh, well, i got to pray for Dave. When I prayed for him, I felt a bit of joy. Well, that's weird. So I was praying for him maybe for only a couple weeks. One day, it was lunchtime in the cafeteria in the engineering department, and Dave's coming down the stairs, and he sees me. And I found out later that he used to spend time at night thinking about nasty things to say to me. What a jerk. <laughs> I mean, you know. So he came down the stairs and he thought, there's Howard. He's, I'm going to curse him out in front of everybody so much that he'll never speak about his God again. As he comes down the stairs, he opens his mouth and out comes the words, tell me about God. At this point here, he's terrified. I turned around. I thought he was mocking me. Oh, yeah, tell me about God. So I turned around, and I saw in his face what I thought was sincerity, but it was really terror. I'm not very good at, at, at reading people. So, <clears throat> so I thought, oh, Dave, you really want to know? Well, Dave didn't want to say anything else because he was afraid what would come out of his mouth next. I said, well, uh, you want to sit down now? And he, he starts walking back up the stairs. So I said, uh, oh, I, said, I figured he had a class. I said, well, maybe you want to meet tomorrow at, at lunchtime? And he does this. Well, he didn't want to say anything, so he meant, like, get away from me. I thought he said, no problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> That's why I'm not an evangelist. I could never read people. But anyways, <laughs> so what happened was, he came the next day thinking, I never want to see Howard again. I never want to talk to him. But I was waiting at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, hi, Dave. Anyways, I, he said, he thought to himself, okay, I listened to him one time and he'll leave me alone. We sat down. I spoke to him for 45 minutes. And after 45 minutes, he received Christ. He went from not believing the Bible, not believing in God, not believing in anything, to coming to Christ. He graduated from the university in engineering, worked in a nearby city uh, as a metallurgical engineer, but in the evenings he would go around and preach to the drunks in the street and get beaten up for the gospel's sake. I'm glad he got it. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Can you edit the tape, please? <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So anyways, but now 
him and his wife have pioneered a church in Montreal, Canada. And he's been pastoring for about 20, 25 years. See, what was the reason for this? God had a calling in his life. God wanted to save him. God knew what he wanted to do in his life. But he needed someone to pray for him. He needed someone to come into agreement with the will of God. And so he allowed that man to torment me until I got my attention. And God says, now pray for him. And he was saying, until you pray for him, I can't do what I want to do. Will you come into agreement with my will? And I began, even as a weak Christian, began to come into agreement with the will of God. And within two weeks, he came to Christ. And now he's you to serve and preach the gospel. And so that's the importance of prayer. I'm trying to now stir up a new vision of prayer in your lives. When I began to study this out, it changed the way I prayed. It began to stir me in a greater way. It wasn't like I have to stir up a lot of emotion. I just have to be willing to agree with God. I just have to be willing to agree with God. It says in 1 Timothy 4.10, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all men, but that doesn't mean that all men will be saved. People perish not because of God's unwillingness, but because of man's unwillingness. Who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Those who have come into agreement with God through the covenant of Christ's suffering, death and resurrection, are the ones who receive the precious gift of eternal life. So the Bible is filled with God pleading with people to agree with him. That's what it is. It's all about, will you come into agreement with my will? Will you come into agreement with my will? Why do we pray then for favor from those who are in authority if their hearts can only be changed with, with their agreement? Why? Because Proverbs 21.1 says this, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turns it whatever way he wishes. Through our prayers, God can cause even ungodly to make godly decisions, but it doesn't mean that they have become godly. In other words, God can force someone in authority to make a decision that's favorable to us, even though they're still ungodly. And they will not receive the benefit of making that decision until they repent and come into agreement with God. But God can force people to make a favorable decision for us in a position of authority because we are in agreement with God. But it doesn't mean that they have any benefit from that. It doesn't mean they've changed. Matthew 9.9 says this. As Jesus passed on from them, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he rose and followed him. The verb to follow has a connotation of agreement. The verb to follow means to join as an attendant, to join one as a disciple, to side with his party. In fact, the Greek word for follow comes from two Greek words that are joined together. And the one word means union, and the other one means road. It means to join the road. Agreement. In other words, follow me. Come into agreement with me. Walk the road that I'm walking. Walk the path that I'm walking. Matthew left all he valued and came into agreement with Christ. Matthew 16:24. Then Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself. Don't agree with ourselves anymore, with our own fleshly desires. Take up your cross, which means change your allegiance from self to Christ. And follow me, agree with Christ. Stop agreeing with yourself. Change your allegiance from self to God and follow him. Begin to agree with God. The cost of discipleship is to come into agreement with the will of God, even when his will is contrary to what we would desire. We need to realize that. We need to choose to come into agreement with the will of God. I want to give an example of agreement. A couple examples from agreement. One is Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, his wife, 
and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Both Zacharias and Elizabeth walked righteously before God, but Elizabeth was barren. This sets the tone of what's going to happen next. This sets the tone. There can be times in our lives that we've been seeking God, we've been looking to God, and we see no results. No results. And for many years, they had sought God for a child, and she was barren. And finally, there was no results. But then, verse 8, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was, was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. It says, while he was serving as a priest before God. When things are easy or things are difficult, we should continue to serve the Lord. There are times that we'll feel discouraged. Times that things don't seem to work out. But we continue to walk with God. And that's what he did. He continued to serve God even when he was disappointed. And then it says, his lot fell to burn incense when he was in the temple of the Lord. When we are seeking to serve God, what may appear as a random chance can really be the hand of the Lord positioning us to be in the center of his will. It's, you know, a lot is sort of like he just chose a stick and see which one's turn was. And it just happened that Zacharias's turn was to go and burn incense before the Lord. But it wasn't just a chance. It was really God's timing. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the... Um, Sorry. Verse 12. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. For your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. When we have an encounter with God, it can be exciting, but also overwhelming when the full reality of God impacts us. You know, there's times where I've had a few times where I've really experienced the presence of God in a very powerful way. And it's 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 awesome. But it's it's awesome. It's like, wow, God is real, real, real. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Zacharias and Elizabeth prayers over many years were not in vain but they probably stopped praying many years ago right but because they had been praying god took those prayers and says i've got the time so even though they stopped praying it but god had honored those prayers of agreement all those years their prayers were in agreement with god's will they just didn't understand god's perfect timing perfect timing. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's Galatians 4, 4. For us to pray in agreement with God, we must also realize that he has a very specific timing. Jesus didn't come the moment that Adam and Eve sinned. He came thousands of years later. He had everything set up. He had his timetable. But when the fullness of time came, Jesus was born. In the case of Elizabeth, they had to wait many years, but the end result was glorious. Now, why did they have to wait many years? They suffered. They were disappointed. They spent many years suffering from disappointment, but that suffering was for the glory of God. Do you know why? That if Elizabeth had a child when she was 25 years old, nobody would have noticed but she was, they were well known because he was a priest. And it was well known throughout the country that she was barren. It was well known all the years of disappointment. It was well known. And finally, when this miraculous event took place and the visitation of the angel, the ears of all Israel were open. A child is born and he has a special message. 
He has a special message. And no one had to convince Israel that he was a messenger of God. And the years went by and he grew up and all Israel's waiting. What will be the message that he has? What will be the message that he has? He grows up until he's a man. And then he starts to speak the message. And people listened. You know, it says that John the Baptist was the greatest of the prophets. But do you know something? John the Baptist, you know, Moses divided the sea. But John the Baptist didn't even drive, drive a puddle. Elijah, a man, was raised from the dead. And John the Baptist didn't even cure a cold. But he says he was the greatest of the prophets. Why? Because all the prophets pointed to the Messiah that was to come. But John the Baptist was the one who says, this is him. This is him. He was the greatest of the prophets. All the other ones pointed to when the Messiah would come. But John the Baptist was saying, this is he. And I thought, why didn't he do any miracles? I think it's because it was not to diminish from the presentation of the Son of God. And that's what he said. I must decrease, but he must increase. Verse 16. And he will... And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist's ministry was like no other before him because he's preparing the way for the Messiah. Verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Zacharias' question was rooted in years of disappointment. Now, it's a really interesting response. At one moment, this angel appears, and he is shaken. He's like, oh, wow. And the angel says, don't be afraid. And he says, your wife's going to have a child. You know what John the Baptist, uh, what uh, Zacharias says? Are you pulling my leg? He says, we're old. Come on. You know, he's saying this to an angel. Isn't that true? He's saying, Listen, don't you realize I'm old? You got the wrong address? Like, what is this? And he says, how shall I know this? Zacharias did not ask, how is God going to do this? But how can I know this is really going to happen? His disappointment was one that reflected his reluctance to come into agreement with the word of the Lord. He was reluctant to come into agreement with the will of God. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my word, which will be fulfilled in their own time. He says, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Pretty good credentials. The sign that Zacharias would have. To know this was the word of the Lord was that he would be mute until the birth of his son. Because Zacharias chose not to agree with God, he says, you're not going to be able to speak anything. Because you chose not to come into agreement with my word, you're not going to speak anything. You know, it's interesting. When John was born and they said, what shall his name be? And as soon as he wrote down, his name shall be John. His mouth was opened when he said he had the opportunity to come into agreement with God's will. And he wasn't going to lose it. He wasn't going to lose it. He said his name will be John. He says, I am in agreement with God. I'm in agreement with God's will. And as soon as he came into agreement with God's will, his mouth was open and he began to prophesy. I don't even know where I am anymore. Okay. <laughs> so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed. Am I in the right place? No, sorry. Verse 21. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. You know, 
So the sign that God gave Zacharias to Zacharias and he gave to the people who waited outside was Zacharias was mute. Maybe he talked a lot. I don't know. But he came out and he didn't say a thing. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. So we see a miracle happening in agreement. But now it continues on. This next portion of Scripture describes Mary encounter with the angel Gabriel. So it's continuing on now. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Here's a great message. Verse 29. And when, he, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered the manner of his greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary was also overwhelmed with the appearance of the angel. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Mary's response to the words of the angel was also questioned. The difference between Zacharias' question and Mary's was the motivation. Mary's question was simply trying to understand what was the Lord saying to her. He was, she was saying, oh, I, I can't believe that. She's saying, how can this be? Because I'm, I'm not married. I'm a virgin. Mary's asked the question out of an honest heart of faith, while Zacharias asked the question out of a heart of unbelief. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the holy and the power of the highest will overshadow you, shadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her for her who was called barren. The angel told Mary that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this will be accomplished. And as an additional sign, she says, and Elizabeth, who is barren, is now with child. One woman was too old and one was too young, but God visited both of them. Verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. I like the uh, American Standard Version. It, it translates it more accurately. For no word from God shall be void of power. For no word from God shall be void of power. Through the birth of Jesus Christ, the word was made flesh. Mary's agreement with the will of God brought forth the living word of God. Being in agreement with God's word releases the power of God. God's word has power, but he's saying, will you come into agreement with my word so it can be released in your life? Every word that God speaks has power, but he's saying, now, will you come into agreement with my word so that power can be released on earth and in your lives? Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's word of agreement is what God was looking for. You know, it's interesting. As soon as Mary says, let it be done according to your word, the angel disappeared. The angel didn't hang around for one second more. As soon as he said, I agree, let it be done according to your word. That's all that God was waiting for. He was waiting for her to say, I agree with your word. And he said, that's it. And the angel left because then it was going to take place. Luke 145, Luke 145, blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Because she believed there will be a fulfillment of those things that God spoke because Mary was willing to believe then God was able to fulfill his plan of salvation. Believing is synonymous with agreement. She believed and she chose to agree through one woman's agreement with Satan. Sin entered the world through one woman's agreement with God. The Savior entered the world. Look, verse, verse 48, 148. For he had regarded the lowly estate of his hand, maidservant, 
For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. You know, the, uh, the Catholics deify Mary and the Protestants ignore her. But truly, she was an example of a woman of faith. A woman of faith. Now, I got a question here. Was it more difficult for Elizabeth or for Mary to come into agreement with the will of God? Now, remember, Elizabeth had years and years and years of constant disappointment. And then finally, she heard the word of the Lord. So was it more difficult for Elizabeth to come into agreement with the will of God or for Mary? What do you think? How many people think Elizabeth? Put your hands up. Okay. How many people think Mary? Okay. And, and then we, it's like the elections, mostly undecided voters. So... <clears throat> See, but it was much, much more easy for Elizabeth. Why? Because the promise to Elizabeth would remove the reproach she felt from the people. Right? So she, she says, for her to receive that thing, wow, this reproach that I feel will be removed. The promise to Mary would bring reproach upon her. She said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let, us, let, let it be to me according to your word. And Mary's response was, Here I am, do with me as is pleasing in your sight. See, when Mary said yes, she knew that she could possibly put to death. Right? That was for fornication. The penalty in the law was death. It would cause Joseph, her espoused husband, to reject her. It would cause her family to reject her. It would cause her community to reject her. It may cost her her life. You know, can you imagine? She's, now she's pregnant. She's not yet married. And she goes, an angel appeared before me. Now, Pastor CJ, if you had a young woman in your congregation that was not married, and she became pregnant, she goes, it was a miracle! <laughs> you go, it was no miracle. <laughs> right? I don't care if she'll tell you about how many angels came. There was no miracle and there were no angels. <laughs> that guy was not an angel. <laughs> so the thing is, the impossibility. She chose to come into agreement with God, even though she was possibly facing death and facing reproach. But she said, let it be done according to the words that you have spoken. And God says, it is a reproach when you receive Christ sometimes. It is a reproach when you share the gospel. Many Christians don't want to share their faith because they're afraid of how people will look upon them. But are you willing to say, let it be done according to your word? God entered history as a son of man through Mary's sacrifice. Because Mary said, I agree. God used Mary. This needs to be our response. It says in Mark 3:33 to 35, Mark chapter 3, verse 33 to 35. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked up round in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my mother and my, my brother and my sister and my mother. When we agree with the word of God, we manifest the life of Jesus Christ into the world through us. We must come into agreement with God's will with our words, our prayers, our thoughts, and our actions. John chapter 21, we have an encounter where... Verses 18 to 21, where Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And he goes, you know, I love you. And he says, do you love me? And he goes, you know, I love you. And the third time, he's, uh, verse 18, he says, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you did, did not wish where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me, agree with me. Then Peter turned around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had be, leaned on his breast at supper. And he said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Peter said, I love you. He says, he says, well, then you're going to die. 
a martyr's death for my sake. Follow me. Come into agreement with me. Peter at the point said, well, what about John? You know, and I like what Jesus' response was because Jesus really was pushing Peter's buttons. You know what he said? He said, if I want that man to be alive till I return, what is it, what is it to you? Now, this is what Peter, I could imagine Peter's reaction. You mean he's not even going to die and I'm going to be martyred? You mean he's not even going to die and I'm going to be martyred? Isn't that what happened? Jesus didn't say he wasn't going to die, but he was pushing his buttons. Well, what happens if I don't want him to die at all? You know, we all have different courses. As our brother was sharing this morning about God calls each one of us differently. Sometimes our paths are more difficult than other paths. Sometimes we have different types of grief, different types of disappointments, different types of trials. And if you compare yourself with others, you'll say, what about him? But Jesus is saying, but follow me. Can you be in agreement with my will for your life? Can you be in agreement with my will for your life? Not for comparing yourself to someone else. What I do in their life is not your business. But will you come into agreement with my will for your life? As Peter grew in his relationship with God, he stopped asking, what about this man? And he came into a full agreement with the will of God for his life. 2 Peter 1.14, 2 Peter 1.14, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. He said, I'm ready. Just as the Lord showed me, I'm ready. John 12.26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. The reward of agreement with God is intimacy and deep friendship with God. The reward of agreement with God is intimacy and deep friendship with God. I like what it says in Philippians 1.19. This is the New American Standard. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. What is that? Through our agreement with God then God's provision will be released. I just, as you read through the Bible, take note now about the concept of agreement throughout the whole Bible. God is always looking for men and women who would be in agreement with him. He found Noah. He found Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets. He was looking for men and women who would come into agreement. And every time he found someone, he was able to use them and use their willingness to agree with him to move forward his plan of salvation. Jeremiah chapter 1, God says to Jeremiah, I'm calling you to be a prophet to the nations. He says, well, I can't be a prophet to the nations. I'm a youth. You know what God says? I'm giving you my word. I'm putting my word in your mouth. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 32, he says this. Oh, no, sorry. He says, uh, verse 10 of Jeremiah 1, he says, I have pointed, I pointed you over the nations. I've appointed you over the nations. <clears throat> How did he appoint them over the nations? I put my word in your mouth. And when you speak you, my word, you will tear down, you will pluck out, and you will build up. God says, I am giving you authority over the nations to see my will done. <clears throat> if you agree to speak my word. If you agree to speak my word. In other words, he says, the authority I'm giving you is my word if you choose to be in agreement with my word and speak out my word. <clears throat> and then in Jeremiah 23:32, Jeremiah 23:32, the Lord says, Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams, declares the Lord, and, re- and related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boastings. Yet I did not sense... Uh, send them or command them, nor do, the, do they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. See, the false prophets are saying, peace, everything's going to be great, everything's going to be fine, and they're speaking all these words of peace. But if those words are not in agreement with God, they have no power. He says, I like what it says in the New American Standard. It says, they do not, benefit, they do not furnish the people the slightest benefit. 
So if we're speaking words, but those words are not in agreement with God, there is no power, there is no life, there is no authority. You can say even nice words to people, but if that is not in God's will, if that's not God's way, it's not going to have power. I saw a button a few days ago, I was, and I liked it. It says, don't believe everything you think. I thought, you know, that's good. You know, we need to seek God's will. We need to know the word of God. We need to seek God in prayer so we know his will. So then when we're sure of his will and sure of his desires, then we begin to seek God and labor in prayer. We labor in prayer. That's my desire. You know, it's given me a new fervency to pray. You know, because some things you're going to pray and you're going to see immediate results, but other things you're going to have to stay in agreement with God for maybe years. But as you continue to stay in agreement with God for years, God is working. God is saying, God is looking for people who are intercessors. Every born-again believer is an intercessor. Everyone is an intercessor. He's saying, will the people of God be in agreement with me and stay in agreement with me? Will you labor and tarry in agreement with me so that I continue to work in the lives of people? So you can continue to see my will done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God is seeking for us. So I love to pray in the Spirit. I love to declare God. God's will. I love to pray for people. So now I pray because I know that I'm agreeing with God. I go, God, save that person. God, move in this way. God, bring healing. God, raise up. God, send out missionaries. I just continue to pray because I'm praying in agreement with God. And even though I may not see anything, faith is saying, I know God's moving. Hallelujah. Air conditioning is not working very well here now. <laughs> Anyways. Dale, I cut that back. 52 minutes. I think we need to pray, you know. I just want to spend a few moments in prayer. I don't know where you're at. Like, I need to pray more. I need to be more in agreement with the will of God. When I'm unhappy, when I'm unthankful, when I complain, I'm going contrary to the will of God. But I say, God, I want to... You know, worship and praise, we're having some wonderful worship and praise... And as I was praying this morning, the pre-service prayer, the thought came to me. What is one of the purposes of worship and prayer? Praise. When worshiping, praising God, we're declaring God's sovereignty over the earth. And we're manifesting his lordship more and more on the earth. I never thought of that before. But as we begin to worship and praise God, we are coming to agreement with God, agreement with the lordship of Christ. And it's manifesting more his lordship on the earth. So we have an opportunity now. So I don't know where you're all standing in your walk with the Lord. I need to pray more. I need to pray more. I need to be more watchful what I agree with. I need to seek God's will more. I need to press into the Lord more. You know, I want to spend the next number of years, how long I've got left, um, being able to fulfill God's will. But I need to be willing to be in agreement with the will of the Lord. Maybe some of you really are right there now, and so, but we always want to go more. But for those who have had a walk, close walk with God, you can rejoice in that, and we can give thanks now. And, of course, we ask for more of that. And maybe for others that have been really struggling in their prayer life, struggling in their relationship with the Lord, it's an opportunity to say, God, I want to grow closer to you. Why? As soon as we do that, God says, okay, I'm ready to move. But stay in agreement with God. Stay in agreement with God. Don't just pray at one time, but pray it every day. God, give me a heart to pray. Give me a heart of surrender. And as you continue to pray that out, you're giving God authority to do that in your heart. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your goodness and your love. Father, life is so short. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here, each one that is here who committed their lives to you, Lord. And, Father, you know there's things in each one of our lives that are not the way you'd like them to be. I thank you for the many things you've done in our lives. I thank you for the many good things you've given us, the many things, good things you've done in our hearts. It's such a joy to see how you've changed us, Lord. And we come to you with our shortcomings still, Lord. You're not angry. You're not disappointed. But you're rejoicing that we're willing to be in agreement with you so you can change us more, Father. Lord, we see so many needs in the body of Christ. So many of people who are not agreeing with you. So many of people who are agreeing with the flesh. 
agreeing with the lies that they've bought into, Lord. But we want to be those people who agree with your word fully, Lord, so we can see those others, believers, set free. We want to be used by you, Lord. We want to see the lost come into the kingdom of God. We, want, we thank you, Lord, the gates of hell will not prevail. And we're in agreement with that. The gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. We want to see the kingdom of God manifest. We want to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, God, I pray that you give us uh, new discernment. There's many things that we could be watching and hearing and seeing and talking about that not only distract, but, but, but actually drain us from a keen focus on you, Lord. I pray, Father, for each one of us, Lord, give us discernment, Father, what we read, what we hear, what we listen to, what we talk about, what we think about, Lord, that would not uh, be edifying, Father, that, Lord, that we would learn to be not distracted by this life, not distracted by this world, but, but really focused on you, Lord. Give us that discernment. Give us, give us that sensitivity to your spirit, Lord, that sensitivity to hear your spirit. I thank you for the wonderful testimonies, Lord of how people have heard from you so clearly, Lord. And I pray that we would all hear from you more and more clearly, Father, and be willing to be more and more obedient and agreeing with those things that you show us, Lord. Thank you.